0: Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves Podcast Channel. Today we continue our fixed income conversation with a performance outlook for the second quarter and thoughts around the drivers behind the recent movement of the ten-year. Plus, we will cover how you should be positioned within the asset class. Uh, joining me here on the line for the conversation, glad to welcome back Leslie Falconio, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Leslie, go. Good morning. Thank you for joining us and looking forward to the conversation. Thank you, Dan. Now, Leslie, I know you're joining us this morning to talk about the most recent fixed income strategist publication, which I know you run lead on. The title is Hawks at the Helm, a 2Q Outlook. Looking forward to diving into this piece a bit with you here. So, Leslie, maybe we can begin with the 10-year Treasury yield. And you've covered movement of the 10-year for us over the years here on the podcast, though recently we have seen some abrupt upward momentum. So what factors are driving this move into 10-year from your vantage point?
1: Well, I mean, I tell you, it's hard to believe that we started the year at a 1.5% 10-year yield. Um, You know, we, we reached a high of around, say, a 283 to 285 level just a couple days ago. But, I mean, one of the biggest drivers have been is when you think about coming into 2022 and the amount of, you know, rate hikes that were priced in, it was only about three or four. And as, you know, more information has, you know, developed and, and then, you know, published – and as the Fed it has sort of shifted, and retired the word transitory. Um, the inflation has been a, a fairly big concern, so the market has priced in maybe about eight rate hikes to the end of the year. So we've had this really big, you know, hawkish outlook. So in turn, you know, we've had treasury yields move up very quickly in a shorter period of time. And, and, I, and that, you know, I think that's the key. And one thing that we always say, it's not necessarily the absolute level how quickly you get there and we've just moved up in a very very fast manner so obviously that's been a large headwind for total return, not just for things like the Treasury market, but for all fixed income.
0: So, Leslie, within the piece, it was interesting. You did draw some historical comparisons. Historically speaking, how do abrupt moves of the 10-year Treasury yield, how do they impact performance of risk assets, and how might today's environment differ from the past?
1: Well, I'll tell you, what we did is that we showed um, moves in the 10-year, say, 90 basis points or more, and we also showed the time period in which that occurred. Because, again, when it occurs in a very fast manner, investors don't have the time to earn income, right, to mitigate part of that loss from the rise of yield and the decline in price. So when we show these kind of snippets going back, you know, several years, you know, what's interesting is, you know, it, it, it depends on the, what the yield is at that environment, meaning that how much you earn and carry from, say, a high yield or, or corporate um, that really will – dictate as well that total return but one thing that we did notice is that not only the move as we discussed is very abrupt but one thing that we've seen particularly this quarter as there's been such a large shift in sentiment is that we had the Treasury market down we had you know negative total return you know that we've seen the past decades but we also had the equity market down so when you have those two sectors both with negative total return obviously it's, it's a very difficult environment and when you look at that, you know that figure or that uh, uh, that chart that we showed, that isn't the norm. So one of the biggest outliers when we look at the first quarter, or say from December to the end of Mar- March, is that when you go on the bottom, almost all- across every S sector, it's negative, and it's not even those that took on or have inherent. You know, interest rate risks, such as, you know, those, those sectors that have very long duration, even the short end, those that would could be considered, say, cash alt, have also felt um, this headwind of rising interest rates because of that increase in the Fed fund outlook. You know, the two-year rose 160 basis points. So it's really been felt across the board.
0: So, Leslie, as you outlined for us, we are coming off what was a challenging Q1 for asset class performance, and within the fixed income strategist, as I alluded to, you do spend time outlining a performance outlook for Q2. Now, a couple of weeks in, against the macro backdrop you shared with us a few moments ago, Leslie, what are your performance expectations over, let's say, the next three months? Well,
1: you know, look, I mean, we're asked a lot, or I'm asked often, you know, where do I think the highs and tender yields? Will be And, you know, we came into the year expecting a rise in interest rates and expecting spreads to widen in credit because, you know, again, we started off the 10-year yield at a 1.5%. We felt that was, you know, low given how well credit was performing, given how well the equity market was performing, and we just thought 10-year yields were too low. So our expectation was that we probably would get around two two 225 to 2.3 in the first quarter. We've obviously gone well past that. And, you know, I'm often asked, like, well, where I think the high in yields are going to be. And it's a really difficult question to answer because it really depends on inflation. Now, we know that CPI this last month, and we're expecting this last print to be the high. But in, in you know, in inflation, the CPI print. But frankly, there are such cloudiness in the data, whether it's, you know, post-COVID fundamentals or what's happening with you know, the, the, the war with Russia-Ukraine, it's very, very difficult to predict exactly the inflation outlook. So with that said, it's very hard to predict a 10-year high. Now, I happen to think that, you know, at these levels at 283, we're, 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 too, we're too high, we're too abrupt given the period of time. But instead of saying, okay, I think interest rates have reached a high, so therefore I'm going to really, you know, have go really long interest rate risk, what we've done is that we've, trim down are short. And what I mean by that is we've held asset classes and sectors that you, one would consider bearish, right? They do really well when interest rates rise, such as floating rate assets. And, you know, those sectors that do well when interest rates rise, as we've seen this constant, you know, move higher, move higher, move higher in the 10-year yield, what we've done is that we start to trim that down, right? So we're getting sort of longer in a way, but not getting long, right? And we're not going to get long yet because we just don't know where the high in yields are. Because remember, it's not this is not just say a U.S. silo. I mean, the German 10-year treasury is highest since 2015. You know, it's, we're hawkish globally. Um, the market's not really that liquid. We have quantitative tightening coming. There's going to be more supply, and we have to see who actually comes and takes that supply, which, by the way, there will be a clearing level where it becomes really attractive. Whether that's 280 or 3%, we just don't know right now. So what we're doing is we're just trimming down our sectors that were bearish allocations that have done exceptionally well in performance. And what we've done with that is that because yields are higher, we don't want to say, you know, completely ignore the fact to normalize, you know, in terms of these, these interest rates because they moved up. We're holding things like preferreds, right, which have a little bit of interest rate risk. We've also recently taken advantage of those sectors that, you know, inherently or historically are more of the principal protection. You earn a little bit of extra yield and not huge in total rate of return, but you have that sort of a little extra yield, but protecting your principal and that short end, right? That's what the short end we talked about. So because we've had such a big headwinds there, we've added to like one to three year corporates that have very good yield. So those are the sectors that, you know, we think will perform well going forward. And, you know, one thing I want to add to which is really important is that, now we finally have some yields. Now fixed income has some yield. You know, whether it's 6% in high yield and or whatever it might be, or over 3% in corporates. And over the long term, it's income that drives total return, not price. So now at least we have a bit more yield. We have a bit more cushion within fixed income to sort of guard against those headwinds of rising rates, which, by the way, we don't think we're going to have, see the same velocity in the second half as we did in the first quarter.
0: So to that end, Leslie, as we begin to wrap up, I know you walked us through some allocation preferences. I know within the FIS, senior loans were taken from most preferred to neutral. Anything around that you would like to share with our listeners, our clients?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll now, our, our thing on senior loans, one thing I want to sort of emphasize is, you know, the, the adjustment back to neutral was not based on concern over credit or economic fundamentals. The adjustment back to neutral was because at the time, particularly that we put this on, you know, this was May of 2020, you know, the 10 year yield was 63 basis points. And, you know, when we took it off, it was, it was 270. Um, uh, senior loan spreads were about 8 to 830 when we took it off, they're about 400. So not only just because the sector has done well, but again, because interest rates have normalized back to the, um, levels that we saw in 2018, 2019, it's just time just to become a little bit, A, less short, okay? And B, again, although the fundamentals are strong, you know, this is an early cycle. And we are getting a little bit later in the cycle. So we do like the fact of having, you know, sort of like the short end investment grade corporates combined with something like preferred, again, to have that barbell.
0: Well, Leslie, thank you very much for dropping by top of the morning today to walk us through your performance outlook for fixed income as we're making our way through the second quarter and speaking to some of these allocation shifts as well as preferences within the space. Looking forward to picking back up with our conversation on the asset class later this month. And in the meantime, I wish you a nice holiday weekend. Thank you again for your time, Leslie. Thanks. You too, Dan. Thank you, Leslie. And again, today we've been joined by Leslie Falconio, head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on ubs.com forward slash cio, including the publication which Leslie has been making reference to during our conversation this morning fixed income strategist piece title is hawks at the helm 2q outlook so for clients of ubs please be sure to reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly top of the morning is part of the ubs market moves podcast channel which is available where podcasts are found including on apple podcasts spotify TuneIn.